I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Welcome, friends. We're glad you joined us. This is Theology Unplugged, and I'm Michael Patton, and I have my good friend and co-worker, Tim, with us once again. Good to be here. Hello, hey, everybody. We are uh, joining you from the Credo House. Stop by the Credo House sometime in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you're ever driving down I-35 or I-40, crosses right by both those. You're only Those are the two highways that go between um, uh, go to both sides of the United States. So someday you're going to be driving by there and pull off the highway and come by the Credo House and say hello. Well, there's quite a few people in the Oklahoma City area this weekend, too, for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's right. And we're getting ready to get snowed in, too. That's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah, if have you, you heard wanna, that? Yeah. So if you want to be snowed in. You haven't seen snow House. in a while, have you? No, it's been a while. Yeah, it's there's, been a while. There's supposed to be quite a bit of snow here, and we haven't had snow. I mean, the, we've we've had more snow in the last last year, this last six-month period, than I think we have in our in the last 10 years combined. Well, and the crazy thing is that today, or yesterday, was the high was about 70 degrees. Yeah, it's 72 and right then, now, or 77 then, right now. Wow. And then Tuesday coming, it's going to be 70 as well. So yeah, well. craziness, I think, in uh, times going on or something. That's right. Either that or you know, the global warming. You know, yes. All the global warming We're making everything really global warm. global warming and cooling in the same week. <laughs> okay, folks, we are going to do a special broadcast here. Let me see if we got any uh, upfront announcements. I'm not even sure when this one's going to air. So I don't know what we're in the middle of. We may have just finished the uh, series on on women in the church, or we may be right in the middle of it, but we're taking a little break. We like to do that every once in a while. Sometimes we theology unplugged, folks. If you didn't know, I think I've mentioned this before, but it all started back, uh, gosh, in 2003, 2004, whenever Rome and I were um, discussing, uh, whenever we would be at Stonebrook Community Church and we would sit down in our office and be discussing some particular theological issue. And we thought, well, you know, it'd be fun to kind of record this for our students. It was first for the students of TTP hmm. so that they could get kind of an insider conversation about how the classes were prepared, not really how the classes were prepared, but what went into them, what kind of discussion goes into them. And mm -hmm. then we uh, kind of moved on from there and called it Theology Unplugged. That's why it's called Unplugged is because... You know, it's just a conversation. As a matter of fact, you don't even know what we're going to talk about here today, do you? I have no clue. I just came and grabbed Tim out of his office and said, come on, we've got to do a theology unplugged. And Tim's got the right to be able to do that any time as well and pull that on me. <laughs> I, I, I have to be able to give him that liberty. I didn't know that, so that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. That'll happen soon. Good, good. I, uh, I'll say I'm busy or something. It'll be about Foucault. <laughs> well, um, nothing really to announce, I don't think, ministry-wise, simply because I don't know where we're at and the ministry is this is broadcasting um, to timestamp us. I just got my taxes done. Wow, yesterday. good so, job! Yeah, that's wow, good. about a month early. Yeah, so. it's May first, so that's uh -huh. good. I usually get it done <laughs> the day it is the first day that you can submit them. I already have them submitted. Wow, <laughs> that's how much need I'm in, and usually I get yeah. some money back. So, but anyway, <laughs> folks, um, we are going to be talking here tonight about an issue that is. I guess the reason why I've been thinking about this so much is because there's people that have contacted me recently. It has to do with marriages. It has to do with problems in marriages. It has to do with, gosh, I mean, even theology and and um, and how we conduct ourselves in theology and the difficulties that arise in attitudes and how to respond to people and how to how to be Christ-like with our attitude. And really, Tim, what I want to talk about here today is is the issue of of 
I guess here, let me put it in a very simplified form of grace, mm. uh, of grace. What is grace to other people? Mm. And I want to talk about this in this way. You know, where do we draw the boundaries on grace or are there boundaries on grace? What I think one of the hardest things that we have in the Christian faith is to be able to act like God in, in two ways, to be able to live a righteous and holy life and, and hopefully inspire other people to do so, but yet at the same time show ourselves and show other people grace. Mm-hmm. Grace is one of the most difficult concepts, I think, in the Christian faith, it's the most unique. I, I would I would go out on a limb and say that is the most unique concept there is in the Christian faith. I remember hearing a story from C.S. Lewis who they, he was uh, talking or he was uh, there was a meeting going on with a bunch of you know scholarly guys at, mm-hmm. and there in England somewhere and they were all discussing the uniqueness of the Christian faith and what was it that made cr- Christian faith unique and you know one of them said well it's Jesus and another one said well no. It has to do with the Bible. And, and another one said something else. And C.S. Lewis came in, and they told him what they were discussing. And they, he said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. Mm-hmm. Grace is the major distinction in the Christian faith. I think that grace is is the foundation of the Christian faith for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, continuous story time as well. I think uh, I've heard at Dallas Seminary several times uh, some of the old-time professors saying that who had Lewis Berry Chafer, the founder for class, that uh, the story goes that towards the end of Lewis Berry Chafer's life, he was still teaching, but he was bound to a wheelchair or bound to a chair. And so if you can imagine this, the the classes were on the upper floor. This was in, I think, the 1950s, early 1950s, late 1940s. And his cl- his students would actually carry him up and down the stairwell and mm. carry him mm. into the classroom. Uh, but the story goes that towards the end of, of class one day, I, I'm not sure if he did this every time, or, or at least uh, the professor told me that at least one time, he had everybody still seated, sitting in the class. He turned out the lights and very dramatically, in a way that just really inspired the men, uh, had been teaching on grace and mentioned how he was just starting, just beginning to grasp grace and the mm-hmm. concept of grace in the Christian life. So definitely not a topic that is new for people to talk about, but I think definitely very important to talk about. It is, and you know, every time I talk about it, it's, it's not only... Um, me attempting to teach people, but me reminding myself and surprising myself about really how radical grace is. Mm-hmm. And not only just from God, because God sets the example, but how radical it seems to be sometimes in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And I like to talk a lot about grace to, from God because I think that's the foundation for our grace to other people. But really, I want to try to focus in and zero in on this broadcast and talk about how it is that we are to show grace to other people yeah. and what that looks like. And like I said before, one of the first questions that always comes up is what are the limitations though? Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you, where do you draw the line? Which I think, I think there's always something hidden in that statement. It's, mm-hmm. it's a youth pastor who has a kid who's full of hormones come up and said, where is the line for me of, of either appropriate or inappropriate <laughs> sexual behavior, yeah, you know? Yeah. And usually when someone's asking, what is the line? I think a lot of times they're asking the wrong question because they haven't fully grasped the Lord's heart on that. Well, it is. And it's, it is because we're always looking for boundaries, you yeah. know? And, and we don't, I mean, it's not as if we want boundaries for ourselves because I don't want God to draw any lines for me on his grace, you know? Yeah. I want it to be as radical as it can possibly be. Yeah. I need it to be. I rely on it to be. If it wasn't, 
I'd be in big trouble. Mm. If there were lines for God's grace, I think that there would be no such thing as salvation at all. Now, why do you say that? Well, you know, when we talk about grace... That's an easy way for me to say, I think I disagree with you, but why do you say that? <laughs> well, whenever we talk about salvation, I think there's many, there's many good, rich words in theology that we use, such as redemption and atonement and justification, mm-hmm. all of those things that really need to be understood as, as something that happens because of something else. And I think whenever we talk about uh, our our... our reunification with God, our adoption from God, we we got to talk about it in terms of what is his motivation. You know, we could talk about his love and say, mm-hmm. well, he loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And I think that is. It's his motivation. What is the avenue that that motivation takes or what is the attitude that that, that, that must be present in order for that love to reach out to people such as us? And I think that's where the idea of grace comes in. Mm-hmm. Grace is, I love, I love the way Chuck Swindoll has put it many times. I think he's the greatest teacher on grace that I've ever heard. Mm. And um, I refer to him often in my own life, just in my mind, whenever I'm struggling with issues. But it, it has to do with stooping, stooping. Mm. Um, it, it has to do with a, a person who is in a position and really has every right to do otherwise, um, has every right to exert an authority that will be harmful or hurtful or mm. judgmental or or uh, something such as that upon another person, but decides not to, mm. but shows them grace, stoops down, mm. uh, a king forgiving uh, a subject. Mm. Uh, the idea here is you have a king and a subject, the king who has the authority and the subject who is at, at the mercy of the king. And the king shows grace. The king um, um, putting himself in a position to where he, he in a sense, acts as this person's companion, mm. uh, this person's help, this person's, this person's uh, uh, friend. The king doesn't need to do that. The king mm. is the king. You know, he doesn't stoop to no one. Mm. It's part mm. of being a king. It's part of the greatness of being a king is because finally, you know, you get recognized. You get to be able to be seen for who you are. The power is yours. The power is yours. And, 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 and the, one of the king shows grace, he is stooping uh, to a level that he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about God's grace and, and, and the incarnation and, and compared on that to our sinfulness, we're, we're seeing God stoop. Mm. We're seeing God, and, and I love this definition that I've heard so often, is that grace is, is not simply giving somebody forgiveness, which we'll talk about in a moment, but it's giving them favor mm. in the midst of an ill-deserving nature. Mm. It's not just just passing over them and saying, "Okay, I'm just not even going to look at this," mm-hmm. but it's but it's showing favor to someone mm. that does not deserve it, that mm. deserves the very opposite. Yeah, well, and that totally makes me think. Two months ago, we had our third child, and we actually named her Grace. And the reason we named her Grace was because we had entered into a really tough season of life after our second child was born with uh, just a whole bunch of suffering, physical problems, many, many, many trips to the ER. And there were so many times that we cried out to God saying, Lord, please help us be content in this. 
but we are definitely praying that we may be able to move out of this season. And there was nothing in the Bible, there is nothing about God that demands that we must be having health and wealth and things like that. Um, but the Lord did bring us out of that season. He brought us into a season of health and good health and things like that. And uh, tons of money. I'm kidding about that. <laughs> we got health, but not wealth. Um, meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> but uh, but um, in all seriousness, though, coming out of a season of, of so much uh, pain and into a season where there is not pain in that way, we just felt God's grace that God had done something he did not have to. Mm. He had loved us in a way that he did not have to. Mm. Salvation and then living in a garbage can, that that could be good enough yeah. because yeah. because of salvation. But but because of God's grace, then when we found out we were pregnant, we 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 said, Okay, if this is a girl for some reason, Grace doesn't seem to be a good boy's name, mm-hmm. but it would have been just as fitting. But to say we must name this child Grace mm-hmm. because this is the season we're in, and we'll always know of God's grace when we when we speak of our child. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well, it's like uh, you know, with my children, I I, um, I I try to display grace, and sometimes it's very very difficult. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I might do sometimes is to really illustrate grace because you can talk about it a whole lot, but the mm-hmm. illustration of it is where you feel it and where it becomes a reality to you. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like with their allowance. You know, there's certain things that they have to do each week in order to get their mm-hmm. five dollar allowance per week. Yeah, and it has to do with you know not arguing with mom. Mm-hmm. Um, not whining and doing their chores. You know, if they complete all of those, everything is good. Yeah. And, and usually they never, they never qualify for allowance. Yeah. <laughs> and, and many times, you know, it's, it's to the point where not only do they not qualify, it is something that they are ill qualified for. It's something mm-hmm. that they have dug a deeper hole. I mean, it's, it's not. They should be paying you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they, for sure. I mean, they've just been a terrible week. Things have yeah. got, they know it. They, they don't know what to do. They know they're not getting their allowance. But it's like you come in and you say, you know what? I want to demonstrate what God does for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you normally your allowance is $5, but I'm giving you $10 this week. And they're like, why? I didn't do anything. I mm-hmm. did everything bad. I did everything wrong. I did mm-hmm. everything just the opposite of what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I know you don't have any reason to receive this, but I am going to demonstrate grace to you so that you see what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that I always do that explicitly and say that, but that is the illustration of it whenever it comes to us mm-hmm. and our present disposition towards God, our continual disposition towards God, is that we just don't deserve it. Yeah, We deserve just the opposite, but God not only doesn't give us the punishment, but he gives us a not a reward, but grace. Well, and the dumb thing, I think, is that so often then we as Christians try to give people exactly what they deserve or even give them worse than what they deserve, putting people in their place, or and especially non-believers, you know, how mm-hmm. Christians can... Uh, speak so harshly against you know someone like Tiger Woods or you know all the examples of people that uh, I mean by his own mouth says that he is not a believer and is following something else instead but to so clearly not be graceful to other people around and to expect things of of Christians and of people who are not followers of Christ and to to be so disgraceful to people mm. i think mm. is i mean we can all do i can do it as well and it's i think it's i mean we can talk about this too but i think it's it's not doing what christ did and that is being a servant of all or thinking of himself or or how they call us you know 
pick last place instead of first place. You know, mm-hmm. pick the lower seat instead mm-hmm. of the first place. And I think that's redemption. That's that's being saved is seeking that, you know, I used to want to be the king of the mountain. I used to want to be American Idol or or I used to want to be number one. But because of Christ, you know, my my affections have changed. My love has changed. My focus has changed. And it's a dirty process. It's a painful process of walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. But I think with this idea of that when we are walking in the flesh, we are least graceful because we are consumed with ourselves. But when we are walking in the spirit, we should be most graceful because we are walking in the grace that God is giving to us. Well, it is, and you know, whenever we start to display it to other people or get opportunities to, that's the hardest thing because certainly um, we we forget about how radical God's grace is. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think our legalistic tendencies to work for salvation, to try to earn a reward, because that's the opposite of grace. Grace is a gift. If you pay any amount of money for a gift, it's no longer. I don't care how much you pay for it. No, yeah. it's it's no longer a gift. Well, it's, it's, it's offensive too. You know, if you if you have people over, you're really excited about who's coming over, and you say, "Hey, you know, baby, we gotta we gotta up our ante here. Let's buy nice steaks. Let's cook a really nice meal." You know, and then at the end of the meal, they slip you a, a twenty dollar bill or mm-hmm. something. You know, it's it would almost be offensive yeah, to yeah. not accept. Well, that it, it undermines what you are trying to do. It undermines the attitude that you're trying to have and the gift mm-hmm. that you're trying to give. Mm-hmm. That's where we get the word grace from is really gift. And when we talk about God's grace, it's his gift. It's, it's not something that he, he loans. It's not something that he, he is waiting for us to pay back one of these days. Once we, you know, straighten up, mm-hmm. it's not something that uh, is on layaway and, as long as, you know, we, we put enough deposit into the bank, kind of like, you know, our house, and mm-hmm. we don't really own it. It's just kind of lay away mm-hmm. until we can pay it off, which never yeah. happens. Uh, Are I, you speaking from personal experience? Oh, yeah, for sure. Actually, Michael is trying to sell his house. So if you're looking for a residence in yeah. uh, Norman, I'm, Oklahoma. I'm trying to sell our bank's house. Okay. <laughs> it's a great place, though. I'm, I'm trying to be nice and sell it for him, you know. So, But, you know, the thing is, is that it is, it is something that, is is so radical it is it is hard for us to really act out consistently because we are always asking where is the line mm-hmm. where is the line that is drawn for grace where is the line that is drawn for mercy another one of those great words that mm-hmm. fall right in the same circle mm-hmm. where is the line for and this is another one this is really an application of grace i think right here more than anything else but where is the line for forgiveness mm-hmm. you know when has it gone too far yeah when has this person when has my spouse done so much that i have to say stop that's enough you know, there, there's no way I can put up with any more of this. Well, and I think the huge challenge from Jesus is that there is no line, and he would say never. Yeah. You that, know, because he when, when he says, how many times should I forgive? And he basically says, you know, every single time. Hmm. How bad is bad? Too bad. Mm-hmm. Never. It never gets too bad. You know, and he even goes against some of the revelation from the Old Testament. Well, not against, but he 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 speaks into some of the revelation of the Old Testament, like Moses saying, "Oh, you know, a certificate of divorce by by responding many times and saying never." Yeah, <laughs> which puts us in a tough spot because we want to clearly draw lines and mm. clearly say, 
black and white. You, and, you cross over this, and no longer are you in my favor, but I'm going to have to do something to rectify mm-hmm. this situation and draw out, and we put it in our mind. Here's what we do, and this is the hardest thing. We replace the word grace with responsibility. Mm. I need to be responsible. Yeah. I need to be responsible. If I don't draw this line, it will be irresponsible of me in this situation because I've got to take care of this person. This person cannot mm-hmm. get away with this over and over. And over. Grace is the first time. Yeah. Grace may be the second time. Yeah. The third time, that's whenever responsibility comes in. Yeah. The or, fourth time, yeah. that's whenever the, the law comes in. That's whenever, I'm sorry, you used up your grace. I give you two chances of grace. But see, that's the thing is that's not grace yet. Mm-hmm. It's only really grace when you start getting into those times that are the seventh, yeah. the forty ninth, the four hundred and ninetieth. Yeah. That's whenever that's whenever it gets so radical that it's just bizarre. Or God forbid you actually have to trust in God instead of just your own effort. Mm-hmm. You know, when grace gets mm-hmm. to a place where you say, I cannot be graceful anymore. God, you have to give me Grace, you have to allow me to be graceful because everything inside of me wants to just strangle this person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But instead, God, I need you. And I think that's when it starts. And then, I think that's when grace is really beginning to start. And that's whenever you draw the line in your own life and say this, I'm either going to be controlled because I cannot mm-hmm. show grace. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've been there, folks, so many times, and I fight it all the time. Mm-hmm. But whenever I'm in the point point where I can't show grace, whenever I have to have justice fulfilled, responsibility must be taken place here, and I've got to take care of this. And if I don't, who will? Mm. Whenever I live in that realm, I, I, I fall apart. Mm. I mean, it hurts so bad inside. I become a different person. I'm not a person who represents God. I'm not a person who represents truth. I'm not a person who represents the gospel. I am a person who represents my own agenda to fix things. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever it comes into it. Whenever you're a type of person who has to have things fixed, you have to have things in order. You have to have things, you know, if, if this is happening in my household and it is making things not work well Mm -hmm. and, and making uh, it feel as if this is irresponsible in my life, or that that I need to punish this person, this friend of mine, because if I don't, who will? Mm. Um, I need to stand up here and and make sure because that we can talk about this virtuous in a different way and say standing up for what's right and and mm. and being the person who is um, who is uh, leading rebuking or leading by example. Yeah, or, yeah. Or or being the person who rebukes someone else. The Bible tells us to rebuke, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's so hard because many times we just don't know how to mix the two. Yeah. It's either one or the other. Yeah. And and we don't know what grace looks like in certain situations to where forgiveness seems like it would be to the de- detriment of growth for this person. Mm-hmm. You know, if I forgive this person again, you know what? They're just going to keep on doing it. So the best thing I can do here mm. is not talk to them, stay bitter, make sure that they know that they can't get away with this. Mm. There's got to be some type of retribution. I've got the power of retribution. I'm a king. Mm-hmm. I've got the power of retribution here to punish. And so this guy needs to go to jail, mm-hmm. uh, the jail of not being forgiven by me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's whenever we, we think that way. And that's whenever you came up and you talked about the passage 
where Christ was asked by Peter. And it's just such a wonderful passage, but it's such a hard passage because it is so radical. It is so radical because Peter's coming to him and and saying, and this is in Matthew chapter eighteen twenty one. It says Peter came to him and said, "Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times." And you know, the interesting thing about that passage is, is that the common thing in that day was to forgive somebody, and this is what they thought was gracious. Three times, if you were a really gracious person in that day, you would forgive someone for the same thing up to three times. Which that does sound like. Pretty well, pretty from, good, you know. I, I really make it past two myself, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, so. and you make it past three, and you you do feel good about yourself. Yeah, three's pretty good. So that's virtuous. Now Peter comes in, and he is, you know, Mister Grace, because <laughs> because he's going to double it and add one. Yeah, nothing you know? more gracious than a than a uh, a sailor, huh? Yeah, can or you picture fisherman? Peter though? You know, just the uh, the average person three times in your speech. Should I do it seven times? You know, thinking yeah. he's going to get commended for this. Not in only some have sense. I doubled it, but I added one. Exactly. But but Christ says something so probably radical to that culture and radical to Peter and radical to the very nature of humanity in a sense. Mm. He says, "I say to you, up to seven, not up to seven times, but up to seven Seventy times seven, which is four hundred ninety times, which is Christ's way of saying infinite. You know, mm-hmm. non. I tell you, don't ever stop forgiving. Mm-hmm. And and some people, some of you guys, I, I could ask every one of you that's listening to this just to stop and to think of those people that don't deserve your stooping. Mm-hmm. You 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 think I've got to do this if I'm going to be responsible. I can't I can't let this one go. Yeah. This one has gone too. If I let this go, you know what's going to happen? And, and it's the control we try to have. But let me flip that on you and think, if let's say Jesus takes that literally, which I don't believe he does. I think that's representative of don't ever stop forgiving. But if Jesus takes that literally 490 times and applies that to you and applies that to me, I don't want him to forgive me only 490 times. Yeah, I, because, I passed that a long time ago. Yeah, definitely. For definitely. the same thing I passed it a long <laughs> exactly. time ago. Exactly. I, I passed that in college for the same thing. You know, with that idea of, I mean, man, if if you want to only forgive someone three times, uh, I need a Savior that will forgive me way more than that. Well, you know, I, I this is so heavy upon my heart right now because I, I got, I, and I'm sure this person's not going to be listening to this. I'm not so sure if I necessarily want them to because they may be able to single themselves out about what this broadcast is about. But I got an email from someone, and somebody I married, um, <laughs> not my wife, somebody else I, I married. I performed the ceremony. <laughs> That's uh, a way to narrow it down. Huh? So this person is totally anonymous, but they're a person yeah. I married. <laughs> <laughs> that narrowed it down. But but they they are somebody uh, that I know. I know this is what he's going through. Mm. I know he's drawn so many lines, and this mm. person has crossed it so many times. And I know in his own mind, you know, they're, they're heading. From what I understand, they're heading towards divorce. Mm. And I think in his own mind, he justifies this by saying, "This is what has to happen." This yeah. is what has to happen in order for me to be responsible because if it doesn't, mm-hmm. this is going to keep on going like this. This exact thing will keep on happening over and over. And it, what is happening is destruction for me and destruction for my family and, and, and problems. And there may be. Mm-hmm. There may be some very significant problems that this is causing. Mm-hmm. But what it seems to be that God is saying is that that is the time. 
whenever grace becomes grace, mm-hmm. whenever it is over and over and over, and you're not seeking to fulfill this this controlled way that you think things must be, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be, 90% of marriages or, or the, the biggest problem in marriages that end in divorce has to do with finances. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that the reason for that is because there are issues with finances between a spouse and a hu- or a husband and a wife to where they say one of them is saying, you are not being responsible. You're going to drive us into bankruptcy. You're going to drive us into debt. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, grace says, not showing grace is worse than drawing all these lines and making sure my priorities and my 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 uh, uh, assets are kept responsibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the radicalness of this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's okay. I'll give you one more chance. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give this person one more chance to do what's right. I'll forgive them the third time, mm-hmm. and that's it. They've done this big thing to me three times, and Christ says, "Be ready to forgive mm-hmm. them again and again." And again. and I'm not saying always when we come to the application of grace, because mm-hmm. there's a difference here. Whenever grace is grace is available and it is applied, it is applied through forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And some people may not want forgiveness. Some people may be just you know leaving and and leaving the relationship, leaving you, leaving your friendship. They don't care about reconciliation in any sense with you. And there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. except for you can be gracious and available at any time for that person. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, it definitely shows that this is real life. This is real life stuff. And, um, just recently I came across, uh, through church was, we were directed, uh, communally to Hosea two. And I mean, Hosea is definitely a a prophet that could have uh, pulled out his prophet card and brought down all sorts of stuff on his wife. And, and really let her have it because uh, because she was the last person in the world that deserved any forgiveness or grace or anything. In Hosea two fourteen, which would hopefully be uh, be encouraging for for your friend to start saying, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Verse fifteen, and this is after she is they've been married and she's left him and had kids by other people and stuff. Verse 15 says, And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Now, that sounds very uh, like it doesn't make any sense, and it's in the first century or, or B.C. But the valley of Achor, Achor is trouble or or suffering. And so he's saying here that I will give her vineyards, and I'm going to make the valley of trouble a door of hope. There's a lot of beauty mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you know, to say that I could I could bring things down here, but instead I'm going to say, you know what, this valley of trouble, there might be a doorway there of hope. And then he says, and there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt, mm-hmm. and saying that, you know, when you've come through a valley of trouble like that, and you have every right to not be graceful, but even Hosea is saying, you know, that valley at the end, there's a door of hope. And it's going to be like it was before. And I mean, definitely not a guarantee. We don't know exactly what the long-term marriage was, but this is what God has given to us as an example, though. Mm. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying this is the example. No, it's know? not easy at all. I mean, there's 
there's no reason for something like this to sting so bad if it was so easy, but it mm-hmm. does sting really bad and it's and it's it's the stooping. We don't know how to stoop. We are not stoopers by nature. We are those who mm-hmm. seek our own, seek our own rights and draw lots and lots of lines. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that you sh- there aren't times for that responsibility. There aren't times where you're saying, okay, this is a dependent situation that within grace, let me speak some truth here. Uh, I think a great example is with, uh, within Luke 6, starting in, in verse 1, you know, he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? And, uh, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. And then he says, uh, verse 42, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, uh, when you're, you, you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye. You hypocrite. This is what's interesting, though. I think so many times we just stay there. We say, well, I've got a log in my own eye. You've got a speck. Your speck looks pretty big to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you've got a speck still. And you just leave it there and walk on and say, well, uh, I'm not going to speak into that because who am I with this log? But that's not the whole passage. The passage says, take yours out first. See how many times God has given you grace. Your friends have given you grace. Your wife has given you grace. Your kids have given you grace at times when you blew up or something. You have to come crawling back and say, I've been, I've just been a jerk. Mm-hmm. Will you forgive me? Look at that, how big your log mm-hmm. really is. Take that out. And then uh, the passage does say, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Mm. So it's saying that, you know, show that grace and look at the log in your own eye. But there is a time after you've done that where you can draw near and lovingly help take the speck out of their eye. It is. And in the end, folks, and we're running out of time here, I know, but in the end, and I we could go on about this for so long, couldn't yeah. we? In the end, it's don't don't create boundaries of expectation and say that okay as long as this and as long as that and as long as after this time or a few more times there is no boundaries in grace there's no such thing grace is a lifestyle it's almost impossible for us to live it is impossible for us to live without outside of outside of Christ and recognizing the grace that's why in the parable it was mm-hmm. and we don't have time to get into it but the parable was Look mm-hmm. how much you owed the Lord compared mm-hmm. to what you're complaining about. Mm-hmm. Uh, infinite mm-hmm. amount of debt he has forgiven, but you're always picking at people for the little things that yeah. they have done. Yeah. That's our tendency, folks, to draw these lines. And I know, I know you're asking, yeah, but what about, what about this? What about that? What if, uh, what about this? I don't want to talk about any of those things right now. Okay. It's very clear. What we are talking about here in this passage, and whenever we talk about unlimited forgiveness, that is almost impossible. But that is what we are called upon to do in Mm. this life with others, and how we are to reflect God's grace to us and show grace to other people. Mm -hmm. All I can say is may God give us strength to be able to pull that off. Forgiveness, grace, mercy being able to uh, not seek our own and stoop. Um, God bless us all to help us uh, pull off this kind of stuff. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll uh, see you next time on Theology Unplugged. You have been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. These broadcasts are made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. 
for more information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit our homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.